Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm having a good week. How about yourself? Yes, it's been really, really good. Yeah, things are moving right along. Yes, they are. You know, I've had an interesting week continuing to explore the practices and settle into the sensations that arise as they are. It gets clear that when I drift away, it's not a bad thing. And it doesn't mean that I'm not doing it right. I feel like I have a better understanding that it's just how the mind works. Well, well, and Anna, that is the practice. You know, that's a good exploration. You know, you're so right about the mind, you know, because it wanders and intrudes. It creates stories, you know, and this is just what it does. And, and we're training the mind to deliberately pay attention after years, decades, really, of doing its own thing. And, and as we're able to get up close to what's showing up in the moment, we become aware, more aware, really, of how the mind pieces together the various components that continue to create our sense of self, our beliefs, our values, you know, really how we see the world. And Anna, we're going to need this vantage point as we seek the best version of ourselves. Oh, I definitely agree. And that's quite a bundle to unwrap. We've focused on sensing our bodies and watching our thoughts to develop the observer self within our consciousness. Our practice has involved allowing the sensations and thoughts to arise and move on. And in our last conversation, you added a new point of awareness in the series focusing on feelings triggered by the passing thoughts. Yes, Anna. You know, we want to continue to expand our awareness to include the interaction of all those dimensions um, that create emotions and emotional reactivity. And we've talked about them, you know, the thoughts, the body sensations, the feelings, the impulses. We're laying a foundation for our quest to our best and highest selves. And, And we want our practices and our exploration to recognize the barrier Um, or the barriers, because there's always more than one, in living from this optimal position. You know, and often barriers are a myriad of unconscious habits that that have over time been created by the emotions, you know, and all the components of it. You know, and and the mind fuses together those thoughts, feelings, uh, body sensations, and impulses. You know, and this kind of becomes this whirling bundle that affects our moods, you know, for better or worse. Mm. Well, it certainly does affect our moods, Dr. Jane. And so even though we we brought each component, like our thoughts and body sensations into our conversations separately, they are still connected. Oh, intimately so. You know, and now we want to bring in the feeling, feelings dimension. Mm -hmm. Well, feelings are what I hear most often when people are talking about their distress. Well, you know, yes, you know, and it's often what folks want to express, but uh, honest to gosh, on a, in reality, they, they usually come up short. Um, first of all, emotions are often confused with feelings, you know, or moods, and the terms are frequently used interchangeably. Um, but we want to, for our purposes, really kind of fine tune our understanding, because it's really that that, you know, they're not the same. That's just not the case. You know, feelings tend to be um, a passive, uh, self-contained 
sensation, um, a capacity to experience in the moment, you know, and reflect our natural state, whether it be pleasurable or not pleasurable. You know, I often refer to this as a felt sense experience. You know, it's a knowing that's not part of our thinking um, or our conceptualizing, you know, which is that creating ideas. Feelings are, are meant to move. They're meant to move through our consciousness. And this is facilitated by staying open and vulnerable to what's occurring in that experience. So there's an inherent... Um, well, I think of it as like an inherent power and wisdom in our feelings, a real sense of purity, because they're not filtered through our external world, and they're not referenced by our backstory necessarily. You know, but, but most people aren't aware of their feelings. They tend to get distracted by the activity of emotions. And emotions really carry more implication of excitement or reactivity, more movement within our consciousness. You know, as, as we've said before, the composition always includes uh, the thoughts, the feelings, physical signals, you know, and what I call impulses, which are really how we deal with all of it. You know, and emotions are usually attached to a story in time. They're fueled by, um, oh, it can be memories or, you know, past occurrences. And they're often, often there's an assumption that there's an outside source that's responsible for this, um, the reactivity. And I, I often refer to this as kind of the cyclone of drama. Oh, wow. Well, you just described a perfect image, a cyclone of drama. We do get pulled in and it keeps us spinning emotionally. What else plays into this phenomenon? Well, Anna, emotions show up in the mind um, um, and and the mind connects our thinking, and it really it plays a huge part in how we create a sense of ourselves, our sense of our strengths or inadequacies, you know, our, our sense of the world as being safe or threatening. You know, emotions empower the mind, you know, through conceptualizations of self. You know, it's, it's kind of how and what we think about ourselves. And these become habitual, and it all takes place below everyday consciousness. So we interpret this as, well, this is just kind of who I am or I'm just being me. Well, it's a little more complicated than I thought. I'm realizing that to discern the difference requires the observer self watching in the moment. Yes, you know, that that's exactly right. You know, it's, it's also possible that we can be in a situation that's very emotional and yet we're not really tuned in or in touch with feeling deeply at all, you know, and, and on the other hand, we can feel things very deeply, um, real, really very powerfully, but not be lost in any kind of emotional reactivity, you know, and this is how feelings are the felt sense that I, that I mentioned, you know, it's, it's really almost like an intuitive hit, how they show up, you know, and wisdom is also credited as arising from the depth of our feelings. You know, but Anna, our, our language perpetuates, perpetuates our confusion. I mean, so often when people are providing an explanation or they're giving an opinion, they'll announce it with, I feel such and such, when in reality, what they're conveying is what they think. You know, it's an idea, which we call, you know, a concept or, or the process is called uh, conceptualization. You know, this is the thinking brain in action. 
Well, as you're describing these differences and pulling in the thinking, I can't help but wonder if I or anyone else really speaks a feelings language in everyday life. I mean, I recognize that we may express our emotional reactivity and we assume we're speaking feelings when we're really sharing our thought processes or opinions. Well, Ana, you're, you're posing a really good question, you know, and, and once we can differentiate the various, various expressions of thoughts and feelings versus, you know, emotions or within emotions, we, we might want to recall communications in our family, our family of origin, you know, and, and usually I find when I ask people, you know, if their family spoke a feelings language, the response is usually no, you know, there may have been some um, significant emotional reactivity in the household, but no true sharing feelings, you know, and historically, let's face it, feelings have not been necessary for our survival. And as a culture, um, you know, quite frankly, we, we prize rational thought and cause and effect over the expression of feelings. So, um, you know, feelings tend to be more intuitive, you know, they don't align with a logic and reason, you know, and logic and reason has been worshipped really in Western civilization since the time of the Greek philosophers, Socrates, Aristotle, you know, and the like. Um, so cultivating and developing feelings has often been devalued and a significant dimension of our humanness then goes missing. I find this all fascinating. I have to believe that there is a price that we pay for not being able to access and express feelings. Well, I, I believe so. You know, I mean, frequently feelings are regarded as messy. You know, I, I can attest to that, you know, and, and often perceived as foreign and therefore need to be avoided. And yes, avoidance then becomes habitual with a myriad of, of consequences, you know, it, because I'm stuffing my feelings. So it's going to cause stress in my body and my mind, and it has the potential to create psychological distress. You know, it can contribute to anxiety and depression, you know, feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. You know, by stuffing our feelings, we really create a habitual tension, which can lead to, oh gosh, you know, physical symptoms, eventually to medical issues, heart disease, GI problems, you know, headaches, insomnia, you know, even immune disorders or autoimmune disorders, um, you know, and, and as we stay in our rational thinking, the more likely we are to project our distress to external sources. So we're shifting the blame away from ourselves, you know, and, and so often I, I refer to this phenomenon, I kind of use two different analogies. One is a, the pressure cooker effect, you know, because we're avoiding feelings, you know, we're putting the lid on them. And I sometimes refer to this as, you know, kind of the put up and shut up cycle. You know, this may work for quite a stretch until all of a sudden putting up and shutting up, you know, we hit a wall that's called enough, you know, and this is usually followed by some, some um, emotional explosion. You know, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. You know, we've all been there. Or I often um, also use the analogy of, you know, saving angry stamps. You know, it's a similar analogy. I've used it for years. You know, it's imagine every time that we experience angry feelings and we don't recognize it and we don't deal with it appropriately. 
So it's like taking an angry stamp and putting in a book. We put it in a book. Next time we put it in a book, you know, each time an angry stamp in the book. And over time, the book fills up. And then sometimes when we're least, when we're least expecting it, you know, we get yeah. angry and try to put a stamp in a book. And yikes, you know, the book is filled and we spew all over, you know, with the un, uh, ex, unexpressed anger, you know, onto everybody and everything. Oh, yes. I've seen that one in action, Dr. Jane. <laughs> and they can look and feel crazy, you know. And uh, if we thought feelings were messy before, after a meltdown, it's a lot of damage control and cleanup. Oh, you're right. You know, and, and in that level of emotional intensity, we're once again in survival mode. So we're really pulled to fight, run, or freeze. And our thinking brain is offline. So what can happen time and time again? Uh, some, you know, things are said that can never be taken back. And the hurt and the damage is difficult to repair. You know, the key is to stay ahead of the buildup of the emotional reactivity. And our practices, Anna, the practices that we continue to talk about, provide an opportunity to do just that. You know, we're tracking our thoughts. We're getting more skillful at seeing the patterns. You know, we also begin to recognize the interplay between thoughts and feelings and body sensations. So we can become familiar with, with you know, how we are likely to react, kind of that ensuing um, impulsive response, you know, how we deal with all of it. Yes, this is such important information. Dr. Jane, can you tell us a little more about the impulses? Sure, Anna. You know, these are the reaction to the thought, feeling, physical patterns. You know, the combination may have us feeling upset, angry, exhausted, or we may want to scream or pull out our hair. Or someone else's hair, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. You know, or explode. You know, the impulse is our response to the heightened emotional state, the negativity, the exhaustion. You know, we seek relief and we seek relief as quickly as possible. So any form of escape, you know, is is really going to, to pull us in, you know, whether it's a meltdown or it could be food, you know, compulsive eating, drugs, alcohol, um, overindulging in technology, you know, socialized isolation, you know, or pulling the covers over our head, um, all of it. Yeah, I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to this. And it seems to me that so far, the practices offer up close, a close view of what's happening in this emotional bundle. We've spent a couple of weeks with the observing our thoughts practice. Seems like this has pulled together both our observations and our sensing. Then last time we tuned into uh, feelings being triggered. Yes. Yes. You know, we want to continue to allow, allow our bodies to be the vessel of awareness. So we stay attuned, you know, first by concentrating on our breath, then expanding to our sensory awareness, you know, contact and sensations in the body, you know, doing a mini body scan, uh, observing our thoughts, you know, kind of noticing how the feelings tend to arise. Um, and always returning to the breath if we feel overwhelmed. And what's next? Well, next is, is a practice that we talked about way back in our early conversations, Anna. You know, turning toward the discomfort. You know, this practice allows us 
another strategy other than avoiding or ignoring or denying or trying to solve the unsolvable. You know, most of these old habitual tactics really haven't worked for who knows how long, you know, if if they ever did. You know, so this is the moment when we choose to change our relationship to ourselves and the world. You know, we're accepting ourselves and whatever is happening. You know, it's knowing what we have control over and, and what's beyond our control. That reminds me, and it sounds like the serenity prayer, you know, accept the things I cannot change and change the things I can. Yes. And, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yes, that's it. You know, with this practice, we're recalling unsettling situations and emotions and observing how the body-mind reacts. You know, and this allows the vessel of awareness to inform us via our feelings. So we're not wanting to analyze or problem solve, you know, or, or suppress the negativity, um, which is why we don't go to our thinking. You know, we want to, to sense into the body. We're keeping the strategizing mind out of the process. You know, although I have to say it's going to want to jump in and take charge. And, and in the practice, we're opening to the deepest, wisest part of ourselves you know, the, the body-mind, uh, to hold the negativity and observe how the feelings really are not static. You know, they're continuous. They're in flux. The, the only constant in the whole process is the impermanence of feelings because they're constantly moving and changing. This is a dynamic process. Dr. Jane, let's move through the practice. Sure, Anna. You know, we're bringing to mind an issue. That's difficult. It doesn't have to be the worst thing that's ever happened to us or the worst thing that's happening in our, in our uh, life currently. But as best we can, we want to hold it with a gentleness and compassion and curiosity because we want to bring our awareness to the reaction. You know, we want to follow, follow the reaction, you know, the thoughts, the feelings, but also we want, we want to know those components, but also really look at where is our body reacting to this difficult situation? We want to go to our body. We want to sense into our experience and allow the reactions to unfold on their own. So we're going to start with, as we have all of the previous practices, you know, finding a comfortable position, you know, sitting or lying down, you know, keeping our, our spine straight, a dignified posture, and begin by focusing on the breathing, on our in-breath and our out-breath, and settling in to the breath just as it is, and then moving to include sensations in the body, you know, contact of furniture or the floor, contact that we can sense, you know, our clothing against our skin, you know, we might want to do a, a mini body scan just to notice where there are sensations. You know, and, and in previous practices, whenever the mind was distracted by thoughts or anything else, we acknowledged them and brought ourselves back to our breath and body. We're going to change that up a bit now. Now we're going to intentionally bring to mind and if an issue or a difficult situation and just allow it to remain in our awareness. 
And we want to get a full sense of our reaction to the situation. We want to be able to really experience the discomfort without fueling it. No judgment, no criticism, just being with it for what it is, observing it. And then gently shifting our attention to the body. We want to become aware of the region of the body where the discomfort is located. You know, where is it that we're feeling it most intensely? And we're going to stay with the physical sensations along with observing any thoughts or feelings that arise. You know, we're, we're really, really into the observing. We're not in the drama. We're not fueling it. So we're allowing the unfolding of all that shows up around this discomfort. And we're breathing into the region of the body where the sensations are felt most intensely, just breathing in to that area and breathing out. And we're not seeking to change the feelings or the sensations. We're observing and exploring. So the feelings, the sensation, you know, it, it, it may have arise very spontaneously for us, or we may have to choose a situation from the past. Either way is fine. The key is to stay with the sensations, moving closer and closer to the sensations, watching the ebb and flow of intensity. You know, and, and we might want to say to ourselves, you know, as we're feeling it all, because it is uncomfortable, you know, to be able to say to ourselves, you know, this is okay. You know, even if it doesn't feel good, it's okay. And if the experience becomes overwhelming, you know, we can always return to the breath until we feel more settled. And then we can either return to the discomfort or we can close the, the practice. So this moves us into fresh territory intentionally bringing up unpleasant emotional bundles like our reactivity and staying in the midst of it as we explore the nuances. Well, yes, yes. And the sequence of our practices has allowed us to determine the focus of our attention, you know, and then we move closer to observe the intricacies of the dynamic parts. This is a powerful piece for us to develop as we continue our quest, you know, to live more consistently from that best version of ourselves. You know, we need to be able to move beyond the usual blind spots and dismantle the barriers of obsolete habits and conditioning. Oh, yes, this is so powerful. Um, we continue to build the foundation of awareness practices along with accepting whatever arises, and then we use the material for further exploration. What if in the practice, nothing shows up? Even if we try to access something from our past and we still draw a blank. Well, Anna, you know, when nothing shows up, that's what's happening, isn't it? You know, and, and in that case, we just kind of stay with it. You know, and it's helpful just to stay with the breathing and tune into sensations. You know, sensations in the body, staying close to ourselves and our experiences. And sometimes things don't rise, but that's okay. Maybe next time. Okay. Well, Dr. Jane, what are the practices for this coming week? Well, I'm going to suggest that we allow ourselves time daily um, 
to turn toward the discomfort, to really take on this practice. You know, always taking time to settle into the practice with breathing and observing body sensations as they arise, but to allow ourselves to have a little bit of time daily to, to just sit with this and, and see what comes up. And then I also, I think it's a good idea to stay with a three-minute breathing space, you know, at least one daily, one times daily, and then, you know, as, as we need it, you know, whenever we're disconnected from our awareness, that three-minute practice is a way to reconnect. Oh, I know. I use that daily multiple times. So um, what question might we pose this week? Well, uh, let's explore our various escape routes. You know, so when the going gets tough, um, what are my favorite methods? You know, when I'm overwhelmed with negativity, you know, uh, feeling reactive, fed up, burned out, you know, what are my impulsive reactions to the emotions? You know, how do I deal with it? Where do I escape to? Well, this should be interesting. (laughs) Kind of a a tell all, right? (laughs) Kind of a tell all. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dr. Jane. As a reminder to our listeners, all the conversations for the good practices can be found on our YouTube channel. Until our next conversation.